Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday morning to everyone. It is so great to get to see you and to get to be with you this wonderful morning. Now, we are going to be praying today as we get ready to start up services tonight in all of our campuses and have services all day tomorrow. If you haven't yet reserved a slot or signed up for your space, please do make sure that you reach out to your campus pastor or your district pastor, and we would love to be able to reserve a seat for you coming up on our services this weekend. So let's open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity, for the favor, Lord God, that we get to be able to come and be in your house again, that we get to gather and fellowship together, Lord, that we get to come and worship you and pray together, Lord God, that we get to be in your presence as a family again. Lord, we just pray as we start everything back up. Lord, we ask for favor, Lord, for these services, for the 10%, Lord God. Father, we also ask, help us, Lord God, to be able to come and be safe, Lord, that we will be able to experience you and feel your touch and feel your presence, Lord, when we come and we gather together. Father, we thank you that we get to come and be one body in Christ again. And Lord, we look forward to the numbers being able to go up that we won't just be 10%, then 50%, and then back to normal. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that we get to come and be in your house. Lord, we lift up to you all of our people, Lord God. We lift up to you our cities, our country, Lord God. And Lord, we pray for favor. We pray for protection, Lord God. We pray for wisdom. Lord, wisdom for our doctors and for our leaders as they're making important decisions, Lord God, that you guide them, Lord, that your presence be with them. Father, we pray, help us, Lord God, so that we see your hand of protection, Lord God, upon us, upon our lives, in our coming and our going, Father. Lord, we also pray, Lord, we desire, Lord God, to get to come and be in your presence. Help us all, Lord God, to be able to come and be a part of your house. Lord, we thank you for the favor that you've given, and we thank you that we will continue to see favor, Lord God, with our government to be able to come and be together in your home, Lord. Father, we just pray for provision to continue to flow in this time. Lord, we thank you that you are all, Lord God, that you are healer, you are protector, you are provider, Lord God. And Lord, we know who you are and we hold on to who you are, Father. Lord, we remember all of these things this morning, Lord. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now we want to kick it off for our Saturday morning as we hear from Little Shira, Psalms 91. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes to see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. 
For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Thank you, Shira. And I like your little sparkle filter that you got going on there this morning. Thank you for reminding us and sharing with us Psalms 91. Now, let's go and open up our hearts for a beautiful time of praise and worship.
Amen. Now we want to get into a wonderful testimony from Brother EJ. And no, I'm not talking about my husband. I'm talking about a young man in the church who has a great testimony about protection and provision during this time. Let's go hear what he has to say. Hi, my name is EJ Matini, a cool aid usher and a youth leader in South Campus. So God has been really good to me and my family. Firstly, He allowed my parents to come home just in time from abroad before the outbreak happened, and they retained their monthly salaries. And nextly is uh, God has given us a long-time prayer request to have a family business. He given us a food business that is now growing little by little. And thirdly is I was a little worried about my grades because of the sudden cut of the classes, but God has blessed me and gave me sufficient grades enough to retain my college scholarship. Truly God answers prayers, people. And glory and honor and praises to Him always. Thank you. Amen. Great and encouraging testimony, young people. You should be looking forward to all the great things that God will be doing in this season in your lives as well. Now, as we're going to get into our scripture reading, let's get out our nice big Bibles that we're going to be marking things up with and open up to Acts 24. Now, in Acts 24, we're going to be taking a look at an interesting passage. We're going to be taking a look at a passage that I don't know if I could respond myself this way, how Paul did, but it's just amazing how he acted, how he didn't react, and it shows we have a long way to go in our lives as well. Let's take a look, starting in verse 1. And after five days, the high priest, man-made Ananias, came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began accusing him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, ooh, sip, 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 reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly, for we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up lots among the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader in the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him by exclaiming him yourself, you will be able to find out from him everything of which we accused him. Okay, several things we can see right here. Number one, talk about a good political speech right there in which he was trying to suck up to somebody. This is such pride. But we're seeing here some accusations that are made against Paul. It says, For we found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among the Jews lie, and who is the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, lie, everything here that they're accusing him of, not one charge is true. They're all lies. And it continues in verse 8. 
sorry, in verse 9, the Jews also joined in the charge, affirming all these things were so. More lies. And when the governor nodded to him to speak, Paul replied. Now, next to this passage, I've got wow marked in my ex- with an exclamation part because I don't know that I could respond how Paul responds here. Paul said, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. An important thing for us to do. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or sitting up in a crowd either, either in the temple or in the synagogue in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they are now bringing up against me. He's saying they can't prove it. But I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Here we see Paul straightening the facts, but in such a kind, honest, good way. And then we see him showing, I take pains, I strive, in other words, to have and to live with a good, clean conscience. Verse 17. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms, help to my nation and to present offerings. Hey, I'm here to give stuff. I'm here to help. I'm here to be a blessing. While I was doing this, they found me and purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you to make an accusation should they have anything else against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. Here we have someone who's calm, someone who's speaking truth, someone who's speaking facts. And that's important for us to remember and realize because whether we like it or not, at some point we're going to be accused of something. At some point we're going to have to stand and give an account and say what happened. But here is a beautiful example of how Paul stood and how he faced these lies, these false charges. And he did so in a respectful kind, calm, factual, truthful way. Verse 22. But Felix, having a rather acute knowledge of the way, you can reference that back to Acts 23, verse 21, put them on saying, with Lysias the tribune, 
comes down, I will decide your case. So in other words, when this other guy comes down, I'm going to decide what's going to happen. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So he's given some liberty, but he's still kept in custody. Now, here we see in this next verse how we can use the appointments that are given to us in good or bad times to talk about God. Let's take a look at what Paul did next. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Here we see a guy who's in custody, Paul, but when he's summoned, he still speaks truth. He still speaks God. He's not trying to argue his case. He's speaking about faith in Christ. Verse 25, and he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. Hmm. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Fetus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. So here we see Paul taking the opportunity here to talk about God, to talk about the gospel, to talk about Christ in this opportunity that he was given. But we see it was hard. We're not talking about a day trial. We're not talking about a week trial. We're seeing here after some time had passed, two years elapsed, Felix was succeeded. So we're talking about a long time that Paul was in prison in a way with some freedoms. Yes. Some people able to come and see him and help him with his needs. But still, this is a hard time. And in this, Paul did not argue. He didn't defend. And I don't know that I could do that. Honestly, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. But here he talks about God. He talks about faith in Christ Jesus. He talks about the way. He reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. When he was faced with lies, when he was faced with, you know, lack of freedom, his response was Jesus. His response was salvation. His response was about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. That's how our response should be. No matter what situation is happening in our life, our response should show God. Our response should show Jesus. And that is a beautiful, beautiful example that we see here from Paul and that we can take and apply in our lives. Now we're going to head into a moment of praise and worship before we get into our Old Testament. Let's go worship the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Get down, mountain, get down. Go on and fall to 
You should know by now. 
All right, now let's open up our Bibles to the Old Testament and head to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And we're going to see some beautiful promises and beautiful truths as we go through the Old Testament this morning. Starting verse 1 of chapter 5. Thus all the work that Solomon did for the house of the Lord was finished. A great feeling to finish. And it's clear he did it for the house of the Lord, not just for himself, not for, that's not the priority. It's for the house of the Lord. Solomon brought in the things that David, his father had dedicated and stored the silver, the gold, and the vessels in the treasuries of the house of God. Now at finish, when a project is finished, when something is done that you've strived for, then comes the dedication. And we are going to be seeing how they did that. And they dedicated with belongings and with offerings. And that's a great thing for us to note for ourselves when we're dedicating things to God. We give him back the praise. In verse 2, Then Solomon assembled the elders and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers, the house of the people of Israel in Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled before the king at the feast that is the seventh month. And all the elders came of Israel, and the Levites took up the Ark. And they brought up the Ark, the tent of meeting, and the holy vessels that were in the tent, The Levitical priests brought them up. Now in verse 4 and 5, we see here, Solomon had learned from his father what to do and what not to do. And it's really important for us to teach the next generation and for us the next generation to learn from the previous generation what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Verse 6, King Solomon and the And all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. One, I just, I'd love to picture that in my mind. I can't even picture so many that can't be counted. I would love to have seen that. But I love that offering and sacrifice went before It went before all of this in obedience that we should do and give to the Lord in abundance. They sacrificed so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. That's how they're celebrating. That's how they're dedicating. That's how they're worshiping. And I think that's just beautiful. In verse 7. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place. Everything has its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the Ark so that the cherubim made a covering above the Ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen in the holy place before the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. And there they are to this day. There was nothing in the ark except for the two tablets that Moses had put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant 
with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So some questions and some points. Where is the pot of manna? We don't see that here. We don't see Aaron's rod. But what we do see mentioned here is we see a reminder that covenants and promises are important. And the covenants and promises are important to God. And we're going to be taking a look and remembering about covenants and promises that God makes and God keeps today. The Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests had consecrated themselves without regard to their division, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthon, and their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linens with cymbals and harps and lyres, and stood at the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeteers. And it was their duty as the trumpeteers and the singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with the trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Isn't that the truth? And isn't that what a powerful thing to say and shout and preach? Here is a principle of worship. We focus on God. When we're in his house, we're not focusing on other things. We're not distracted by things. We have our attention on God. We focus on God. It is about him. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Wow. When the glory of God comes down, We're literally not able to stand it. The power and beauty of his presence. Here, it filled the house of God, and they could not even stand to minister. There is such power and such beauty in the presence of God when it comes. Chapter 6, Solomon blessing the people, and we're going to take a look at some of these promises and generational promises. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel. When all the assembly of Israel stood, and he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he has promised with his mouth to David, my father, saying. Now, here, what he has promised with his mouth to David, my father. We see a promise coming from one generation before that is being fulfilled in the next generation. God will use and fulfill promises over generations. He doesn't just let it go after one generation or he doesn't just forget who he is or what he promised or what he said he would do. God makes and fulfills promises from generation to generation. And that is such a beautiful thing. 
that we get to hold on to. Now here in this next verse, verse 5, we see some important things. Since the day I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which a house to build that my name might be there. I chose no man as prince over my people Israel. We're reminded here about Egypt, that they left slavery, that they were being brought out of sin, that they were being brought into a promise. And it also makes us ask some questions. Why was no place chosen? Why wasn't it good enough? Why later? It makes you wonder what needed to happen. And we see here that in the next verse, verse 6, David is not talked about as a king. But in fact, he's talked about as a prince. It makes us ask more questions. But I have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. It should be in our hearts to build God's house, to be in God's house, to sacrifice for God's house. God's house should be such a priority in our heart, in our mind, in our thoughts, in our lives, that it is well. It says you did well, that it was in your heart. If we keep the priority of God's house in our heart and in our life, God also will take care of our house. That's how it works. We see the love that David had for God's house. And we see that in the next generation, he was remembered for his love and desire for God's house. That's a beautiful thing to be remembered for. You're remembered because you desired to build God's house. That's a beautiful reason for people to remember you. Nevertheless, it is not you who shall build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made because he fulfills promises. That's our God. That's who he is. For I have risen in the place of David, my father, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. There's some more promises. And I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And I have set the ark in which the covenant more promises of the Lord that he made with the people of Israel. Now we see Solomon praying and dedicating this place. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon made a bronze platform, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and he set it in the court. He stood on it. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. Here is a beautiful leadership principle, and a beautiful display of the heart of a leader. Here he is. He's king. And here he is, humble, on his knees, lifting his hands 
to worship God, to honor God. This is the humility of a leader before God. And he said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants. Again, promises. God fulfilling promises. That's who he is. Steadfast love to those who walk before you with all their hearts. That shows a character that we need to have. That we need to walk right before God with all our hearts. Who have kept with your servant, David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. That's referencing back to verse 4 of this passage. And we see again more about God fulfilling promises from the generation before to the generation now, God fulfilling this promise. Now, therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel, If only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now, therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David. Here we see some generational promises being set up. God made promises to King David and God fulfilled promises to David fulfilled promises to Solomon. And here he's saying, God, let there be someone on the throne to worship. God, my father, you promised this to him. God, to me, you say this. God, fulfill, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David. There's promises that come for all one generation for us, for ourselves. And there's some beautiful promises that come for generations to come. A lot of what I experience in my life is not because of promises that were fulfilled to me, but they're because of promises God made to my father, to my grandfather, to my great-grandfather, that he made a promise that it would be like this for our family that he promised this would happen to his children, to his sons and daughters, to this, to that. And God is in the promise life. He makes promises and he fulfills his promises. So when God speaks to you or when God makes a promise to you, that is a powerful thing that you can hold on to. Let your word be confirmed. God will make promises to you and God will make promises to the generations to come after you. My children will experience promises because God has made promises and will make promises to me because he has and will make promises to my father because he did to my grandfather, my great grandfather and so on. In verse 18, but God indeed dwell within man on earth. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less the house that I 
have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea. O Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer of your servant that he prays before you. I love this. That your eyes may be opened day and night towards this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers towards this place and listen to the pleas of your servant of the people of Israel that when they pray towards this place and that from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Here we see a beautiful reminder, not just of who he is, not just of his faithfulness, but that his ears are in his house. He listens to us. He hears what we say. He hears our cries. And that his home, his altar matters. Going there, praying there, doing life there, it matters. In verse 22, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and swears his oath before you at the altar of this house, then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, repaying the guilty by bringing his conduct on his own head and vindicating the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. If our people in Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you and they turn again and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your people and bring them again to the land you have given them of their fathers. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray towards this place and acknowledge your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel. And when you teach them the good way in which they should walk, grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. If there is a famine in the land, if there is a pestilence or a blight or mildew or locusts or caterpillar, if there are enemies who besiege them in their land and their gates, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all of your people of Israel, each knowing his own afflictions and his own sorrow and stretching out his hand towards this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only, know the hearts of the children of mankind, that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days that they live in the land that you gave our fathers. Some powerful promises, some powerful prayers there that are prayed. Now, the next two verses. Israel tour verse. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel come from a far country like the Philippines for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays towards this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. 
in order that all peoples of earth may know your name and fear you and do your people Israel, and that they know that this house that I have built is called by your name. There's a great verse, verse 32 and 3 for us, and a great reminder when we get to go to Israel and spend time and pray and pray there at the wall, that he will hear us too, and he will answer us. Verse 34, if your people go out and battle against their enemies, by whatever you shall send them, and they pray to you towards the city, and you have chosen the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer, their plea, and maintain their cause. If they sin against you, and people will, because all have sinned, and all will sin, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them, and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to a land far or near, Yet if they turn their heart to the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captivity that which they were carried captive and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas, and maintain their cause. Forgive your people for who have sinned against you. Now, oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. That is truly one of my favorite verses, and I have that marked in pretty much every Bible I have. I have it posted on my walls because I love that. Now, oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers of this place. Verse 41. Now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. Amen. This is powerful. This is a beautiful reminder. This shows God. This shows who he is. This shows what he does. And this shows God's heart. That when we cry out, he will listen. He will hear. When we pray, he's there. When we ask for forgiveness, he forgives. This is a beautiful passage showing God's character, who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. Now today, I hope you saw some important things. I hope you saw from our New Testament passage how we should stand in the midst of accusations. That it's not always easy. And that we should strive, no matter what situation or what circumstance, to share God to share truth, whether we're being accused falsely, justly, whatever it might be, we live and preach and show God. And from this Old Testament passage, we see how to honor God. We see that God hears, he listens, he forgives, his eyes are turned to us, and we see some generational promises that took place. 
And we have a God who still makes and fulfills promises today. And he will make and fulfill promises from generations before to generations now and to generations to come. Amen. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you. You're a God who listens. You're a God who sees. You are a God who understands. Lord, we thank you that we get to come and be in your house this weekend, that we get to come and worship you. We see, Lord God, the importance of your presence. We see the importance, Lord God, of being in your dwelling place, Lord. And Lord, we so desire to be there. Father, we pray, we ask, Lord God, help us, Lord. Help us to be able to come to your house. Give us favor, Lord God. Lord, let us see the promises that you have made from generations before to generations now to come. We thank you that you are a God who fulfills his promises that he made, that you are a God of yes and amen. Lord, we thank you that in this time you are reminding us, Lord, of all the wonderful, beautiful promises that you have, and that, Lord, you will not forget us. You will not leave us, but, Lord, they will come to pass. And, Lord, we look forward to testimonies. We look forward to good reports. We look forward to harvest. We look forward to being able to come and glorify your name for all that you have done. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, a few important reminders as we get ready to go today. We still are going to be having our car service on Saturday morning to drive in at South Campus. And that's going to happen for our seniors for our young people, and for those with pre-existing medical conditions who are not able to come and be a part of our normal services. We would love to get to have you there. Please make sure that you come, that you register, that you talk to your campus pastor or district pastor, and we will love to reserve a slot for you. Now, Sunday morning, 7.30 at South, we're also going to be having an opportunity for you to come drive in and attend your service in your car as well. So we have limited seats in the auditorium, but you can come and we will broadcast everything to your vehicle as well. And soon we hope to do that also in main campus. Now, because we are only at 10% for all locations, we ask, please do call, text, message, however you want to get in touch with your district pastor, ministry pastor, or campus pastor. And let us know what service you're wanting to come to so that we can reserve a slot for you because we do look forward to seeing you in God's house. We just want to make sure that you also bring a text message. When you make a confirmation, we'll be sending you a text message reminding you, hey, we've got a confirmed slot for you. Bring that text message so that you can show it when you come into the service as well so that we can see your name and help assist you even better. Have a fantastic Saturday, a fantastic weekend, and I look forward to seeing you tonight and in all of our services tomorrow, 7.30, 10, 12.30, and 3, as we get to come and worship God in his house. Take care and God bless.